October 20th, 2022, we're continuing in Masechet Berachot, we're in the Vav Amud Bet, if you count down from the top of the page, it's 11 lines down, three words before the end of the line, says the Gemara, Amar bihelbo, Amar Ravuna, kol hakoveh makom litvilato, eloke Abraham be'ezro. Any person who's koveh, who establishes makom, a place, litvilato, for their prayer, Eloke Abraham, the God of Abraham, of course, is the God of all. We'll, we'll question in a moment why it says it like that. Be'ezro is there to aid him. First and foremost, what's the reference moving backward um, with Abraham? What's with Eloke Abraham? Explains Rashi, basing himself on just a few lines down in the Gemara. Says Rashi, Eloke Abraham, shekaba' makom litvilato. The reason we're referring to Abraham is because Abraham is the first, and maybe the only individual we see in the Torah, as having a specific kivi'ut, permanence for the place of their prayer. Okay, what's the statement? It happens to be a mahlok, a dispute amongst the Rishonim, as to what this refers to in kivi'ut, a permanence of place for prayer. According to Rabbeinu Yonah, Tamideh Rabbeinu Yonah, in the back of the Gemara, this refers to a person who's praying outside of a synagogue. If a person is in a Beit Knesset, that in and of itself is a kivi'ut makom, that's an establishment of permanence of place. Even if it's at the same synagogue? Potentially, even if it's not the same synagogue. Good question. We'd have to read the words again. Um, it stands to reason even if it's not, because if the logic, according to many, which it is according to many, of why kivi'ut makom for tefillah is a thing, is because it aids in your kavana, well then, irrespective of which synagogue it is, that's already a kivi'ut makom. You might go further and argue it means a specific synagogue, but not the place within the synagogue, but you could make the argument it's just about being a bit Knesset. Alternatively, Rosh in Siman Zayin disagrees with Rabbeinu Yona. His opinion is, even when you're praying in a synagogue, not only when you're praying at home or in some other place, but even when you're in a bit Knesset, having a Kivi'ut Makom is of utmost importance. That's the statement here of Kivi'ut Makom, even in a synagogue. Shohan Aruch is posek this lahalacha in Siman Sadi in Sa'if Yotet, and the words of Shohan Aruch accord with that of Rosh, that even when you're in a Bet Knesset, there's an importance, there's a significance to having a permanence of place. What's the reason for this? We mentioned just a moment ago one reason, and that is uh, it aids in Kavanah. Alternatively, in Sa'if Dalit, Shohan Aruch mentions another reason. He mentions, among many other facets of Tefillah, which are fashioned and modeled after Korbanot, this as being one of them. In other words, the Korbanot, the sacrifices that they were brought in the Mikdash, had particular and specific places how you would face, where you would bring it, what you would do. And so to prayer in being modeled after korban, now it might amount to the same thing, because it might be that the reason there was the order by the korban was for kavana, but ultimately speaking, that's the, uh, that's the way that we're modeling it and fashioning it after korbanot. Says the Gemara, Ukeshemet continues Ravuna, and when that person who was Kovea Makom Litvilato passes away, Omrimlo, they say about him, in other words, in the eulogy, E Anav, E Hasid, Mitalmidav Shel Abraham Avinu. That's an amazing statement. The statement is they say about him in the eulogy, what a. Uh, uh, modest person, humble person, and what a hasid, a righteous person this individual was, or or a, a person filled with hasidut, that level of piety, um, he is and was 
uh, from the students, of course, not the literal, but proverbial students of Abraham Avinu. Now, that's an amazing statement. Because he was In fact, some of the Mepharshim asked this question because the Gemara Masechet Sota and Daf Memchet describes how Shemuel HaKatan, Shemuel HaKatan was a very important individual. He was the one who's attributed in the Gemara's uh, establishing one of the Berachot in the Amidah, Laminim Milam Malshinim, was from Shemuel HaKatan. The Gemara over there describes how a batkol, a heavenly voice, came out in his life and said that Raui, there's an individual in this generation who's uh, of the level to receive Ruach HaKodesh, to receive divine inspiration, but the generation is inappropriate for it, and it was a reference to Shemuel. At his death, they said these words, E'anav e'hasid, or alternatively, E'hasid e'anav. There's two versions as to the proper order of this. What type of statement? So it, what seems to be going on over here in the Gemara is we're describing a way of life, a way of life for a person which begins with a permanence in tefillah, begins with a certain humility begins with, I need that aid in Kavanah. I can't just lose wherever I am. I need the assistance from others. I'm already debasing myself, bringing myself to the stature and level where I understand I need something to aid me in my connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That type of person we can now assume at their death, uh, maybe it wasn't, but oftentimes it will be, the rest of their life followed in such a fashion. We could certainly imagine this and appreciate this if we're referring to Tefillah Chahrit. You began your day in such a fashion? Well, that's what le- leads you then um, to, to a day and life inspired by these character traits of Anava, of Hasidut, it of being able to... It doesn't. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm coloring it as such. The truth is, these words, Anava and Hasidut, again, the order being a question, but the Gemara Masechet Avodah Zarah and Davkaf, the entirety of Sefer Misilat Yesharim, is based on the statement of Rabbi Pinehas ben Ya'ir, describes the character traits a person needs to perfect, one to the next to the next, to achieve, ultimately speaking, Kiddushah. And two on that level are Anava and Hasidut. So the fact that we reference these kind of aids that suggestion that we set forth, that when we talk about how they're going to eulogize this person as being the student of Abraham Avinu, he was an Anav and a Hasid, it's because this is the beginning. This is the building blocks of such a personality. Okay, so again, says the Gemara, Says the Gemara, we've mentioned now twice Abraham Avinu. It appears as if, as Rashid told us, Abraham was Kovea Makom Litvilato. Where do you have reference to that? Some sort of hint in the Torah for that? How do you know? Is there any reference, any hint in the text that Abraham Avinu had a Kivi'ut Makom, a permanence, a place for? prayer for connectedness to Borei Olam Dikhtiv Vayashkem Avraham Baboker El Hamakom Asher Amad Sham Ve'en Amida Ela Tefillah Sheneemar Vayamod Pinehas Vayfalil The Pasuk says with regards to Abraham waking up after Sedom was destroyed it says that he woke up to the place and where he stood initially well, it sounds like he's returning to a place where he was earlier. What does it mean that he stood there earlier? Well, he stood there earlier and he's standing there now and looking at Sedom. But specifically, says the Gemara, this is the reference in the life of Abraham to Tefillah. 
How do you know so? Because oftentimes the word amida in uh, in Tanakh is a reference to tefillah, as the pasuk says in Tehilim, vayamod pinehas vayfalel. It doesn't just say prayer; it says vayamod. In fact, when the Gemara will refer to us the pesukim in the Torah for each of the abot where we find their tefillah, Yaakov will be vayifka uh, bamakom. It's hak will be vayese. It's hak lasuach basade. Would you know it? Abraham is going to be this. Pasuk, which means to say that as we understand Abraham's significance, Abraham's piety, Abraham's humility in his approach to God, we understand it through the lens of a very practical sense, and that is finding a permanent place for prayer. The Gemara continues with the same rabbis uh, in the following statement. Person who leaves the Beit Knesset should not be posea, should not take strides, which are pesiagasa, which means large strides, which means you shouldn't be running, you shouldn't be in haste as you're leaving the synagogue. It's inappropriate, says Rashi. By doing so, you show that being in the Knesset was a masui, was a burden for you. So, of course, reminiscent to the Perush Rashi, basing himself on the Gemara. In the Torah, when the Pasuk describes how they left Har Sinai, and they were nosea derech sheloshet yamim, and the derashav the hachamim, with regards to the wording, is that they ran away. Ketalmid haboreach mi beta sefer. It's on the betarav. They ran away like a child on Friday afternoon leaves the school, or every day leaves the school. They're just excited to run out. You shouldn't be leaving the synagogue in such a fashion. Al yavsiya pesiagas. Amar lo amar Says Abaye, this is specifically so when we're talking about lemepak. Lemepak, like the lashon nafkamina, nafak. Nafak means to go out. Nafka means to come out. Lemepak, lemepak means to go out of the synagogue. It's inappropriate to be running when you're leaving the synagogue. Ava lemeal. But to enter into the synagogue, mitzvah lemirhat. It's actually a mitzvah. And this, one, this time it doesn't say lifsoa pesiagasa. This time it says lemirhat. It means to literally run. Whereas the first one, don't leave the synagogue even in a haste. Even in a haste. To enter the synagogue, to do, do a mitzvah, you should be running to do it. I, had, I have and had a rabbi. His name was Rabbi Yitzchak Moshe Cohen. If you watched him as he entered the knees, as he entered a Beit Midrash, and I'm so sure until today, it was with a trot. He ran to his seat holding oftentimes a stack of books. My father described to me as the different students, his rabbi, Rabbi Aaron Lichtenstein, you would watch them getting to their place in the Midrash. They'd be running to the place. It shows a certain excitement. It shows what's important to you, that race, that run to uh, the Beit Knesset, to the Beit Midrash, to the place where you're going to be studying or praying to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Uh, so that's the statement here. The, the truth is, some of the Mefarshim struggle with the fact that the Gemara elsewhere, Masechet Shabbat, and Davkof Yod Gimal, if I'm not mistaken, suggests that a Agasa is never healthy for a person because it takes away one-fiftieth of your eyesight, the Gemara says, in a strange statement. But uh, the statement, nonetheless, seems to be clear. You shouldn't be running, but that's, that's not so hard to understand. The Gemara's statement in our context is, you shouldn't even forget about, uh, forget about uh, the, the fact that it's dangerous for you, it's inappropriate as well when you're leaving the synagogue. However, it's absolutely appropriate, as the Pasuk perhaps suggests for us, the Pasuk talks about nirdefa. Nirdefa, Rashi says, is a lashon of nirdefa, lashon merusa. 
To be rodef means you're doing it quickly. You're chasing after. rodef ras. When you're chasing someone, generally speaking, you're chasing them by running. To have knowledge of God. will take place both in Talmud Torah as well as in Tefillah. When you commune, you connect with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you're running to do so if you're doing it right. Amar Bizera, Bizera's exclamation with regards to this goes as follows. Meresh, originally, Milashon Resha, Rosh. At the beginning, when I would see Hazina, Haze means to see, Ana means I, Hazina means I see or I saw. Kihava, when I would Hazina see Lehul Rabbanan, when I would see the other rabbis, the other rabbinical uh, students, I would see them running to the Perek. Perik or Pirka is a reference to the Shi'ur that would be given on Shabbat, Bishabbita on Shabbat. I would see them running on Shabbat to the class. Amina, I felt Kamehalian. I felt that they were doing Hol. They were profaning Shabbat. Or Kamehalilin, says Bach instead of Mehalian. Rabbanan Shabbita. I thought that was a Hilul Shabbat. Why is it Hilul Shabbat to run on Shabbat? Explains Rashi, quoting that Gemara Masechet Shabbat and Daf Kofiot Gimal. Asur lifsoa pesia gasa be Shabbat shene emar im tashiv mi Shabbat raglecha. The pasuk seems to say how you're on Shabbat, your legs should be working differently than during the week. Whereas during the week, maybe you're moving quickly. On Shabbat, it's asur to be walking quickly in such a fashion. Shabbat has to have a certain um, a majestic manner to you. Kings don't need to run someplace. Kings are able to, with leisure and with a certain po- posture, be able to get around. So that, in turn, he says, I would see them running on Shabbat, even though they were going to the Shi'ur, to the Pirka. I thought they were Mahalalin Shabbat. Kevan de Shama'ana laha der bitanhum amar Yoshua ben Levi. He says, once I heard, however, the statement of Rabbi Tanhum in the name of Yoshua ben Levi, that you should always be running for Devar Halakha. In other words, to study, to derive, to understand Halakha, even on Shabbat, as the Pasuk says, you're running after God, the same way you'd be running away from a lion who's yelling, which of course is a mitzvah, Save your life. Ana, I, Namerahitna, as well, would and will run. The statement in turn is if it's for Devar Mitzvah and Shabbat, it's fully permitted. The truth is, Shohan Aruch, in the context, uh, we bring it up in the context of exercise, talks about how how se'irim, uh, how younger ones, will sometimes jump and run on Shabbat. It comes up in the context of exercise on Shabbat, whether it's permitted or forbidden, under what circumstances and so forth. The understanding of this Gemara, based on this Gemara, is that there are appropriate ways of doing so. If it's to keep health, if alternative, not, not, to, not to cure, but to keep health, if alternatively it's for Devar Mitzvah, not only is it uh, permitted, but it's, it's uh, praiseworthy to be running or being posea pesia gasa on Shabbat. Says the Gemara onward, Amar Bizera, now that we're talking about running to the class, now that we're understanding that it's important to be racing to do important matters, he goes a step further. Agra de pirka rihata. Agra means reward. The reward for the class, the pirka, the shi'ur, is rihata, is the running. What do you mean the running is the reward? Explains Rashi. Ikar, 
the fundamental, the primary kibbutz sechara beriot harasim lishmoa derasha mipi hacham he sechara merusa. Says Rashi, the the primary reward for going to classes is the running to get there, the effort that it took to get there. Why so? Because the majority of people who go to the rabbi's class don't understand it or won't be able to repeat it. That's what Rashi writes. That's what Rashi has always made, given me a little confidence. Right? In other words, when people tell me that nobody actually understands what you're talking about, I say, oh, it's all right, at least they're coming, they're getting sachar for that effort. But effectively, Rashi's interpretation to this Gemara, take away the fact that he says the majority, if you want, don't understand it, is that the effort, everything that goes into the experience is part or perhaps the major part of the experience itself. And the uh, more difficult, the better. In this context, the you Mishnah, the Mishnah parking, and Avot. And your, your phone died and you ran in and you forgot this. Certainly, the, the Mishnah and Avot is lefum agra, lefum sa'ara agra. The more sa'ara, the more necessary pain there is. In other words, you don't put yourself in the pain. Don't run but late, necessary, that's, run. that's right, is agra. That's the words in the Mishnah and Avot. Um, again, more than anything, just on the words of Rashi, how could you say that's Sakhar? Well, first and foremost to mention, not everyone agrees with Rashi. Tosafot Harosh suggests, we're not talking about the Ikar Sakhar, we're talking about the full Sakhar. In other words, whereas Rashi says the primary reward is for the getting there because you're not understanding it anyway. Rosh says you want the full package? Well, the full package is you ran there and you listened to it. And we're going to have that for each of the other statements. Is it the ikar, this is the primary reward, or it's the full package if you're going to do this right, so to speak. On the Rashi note, however, uh, I mention all the time that the mitzvah of hakel, for example, where you gathered the people, the Torah describes it at the end of Sefer Devarim, gathered people every seven years in order to read in front of them the words of the Torah. Harambam writes in Hilchot Hagiga that even the Gerim, even the strangers, the converts who didn't speak the language had to be present. What are they deriving if they don't understand it? There were children and men, children, and, and women, women who were once illiterate, children who probably didn't understand, even if they were Shalohi Gia according to most opinions, were there. Why is everyone there? And then even the men who might understand probably couldn't hear because there was such a ruckus. So, what was the purpose of this? Well, the Torah describes it brings forth a certain Yirat Hashem. Harambam's words were, Lehazek dat emet, it's to strengthen the true law, which means to say the experience of encounters, the experience of gatherings, oftentimes can transcend what you imagined was the purpose. You thought it was to study and to come out with some sort of education. Alternatively, maybe Ma'amad Harsinai, maybe Hakil, maybe every class, more than anything, is about the inspiration you derived from just being a part of something in the right context, with the right content, but it's not the content per se which you walk away with. I say all the time that that was my experience with Hacham Ovadia Yosef's Motzei Shabbat Shi'ur. Certainly there was plenty of content. For me, it was simple halachot, which are always important, and stories which were enlightening, always important. But with regards to at that point in my life, when I was studying in-depth halacha and Talmud, it was less that part, which for me was the inspiring and call it the agra opportunity. It was more the experience of being amongst many people who were streaming to hear the rabbi, who was speaking and sitting majestically. It was an experience which arose above the mere quote-unquote content so, of his words. Would you say the same thing about, let's say, joining Daf Yomi without fully understanding it, or doing Tanakh study without fully understanding it, just 
to kind of be a part of something greater without actually I certainly would. It. I certainly would. Now, if there's going to be zero comprehension, I would suggest doing something that has comprehension over that. I would say if a person's part of Dafyomi and this gives them their constancy, if they're part of the Tanakh Yomi, uh, uh, Tanakh study, and they're learning it daily, and a part of something greater than themselves, joining a mission which describes who they are, there's lots to be said. And this Gemara really, in each of these subsequent statements, really is speaking to that. Amara Baye, Agra de Kala Duhaka, a similar statement. Kala was uh, on the holidays. They would uh, gather together to learn the laws of the holidays. The Agra of the Holidays. Now, it's not on the holiday. It explains Rashi. It's Shabbat Shelifnei HaRegel. It's on the Shabbat. Prior to the holiday, they'd gather to learn the laws, to be inspired about the messages about the holiday. What's the Agra for that? Again, the Gemara does not say it's learning the laws. The Gemara says it's Duhaka, Lithot, like Sha'atadahak means to push. When you're in a pushed, pushed against the wall situation. Duhaka means the fact that they're all crammed into a place. The fact that uh, to a certain extent, it's uncomfortable. The fact that you brought yourself to there, I mentioned in this context uh, often uh, the experience of going to the Kotel for uh, those uh, Shavuot morning. Shavuot morning was not a beautiful prayer at the Kotel, but you, together with the stream of hundreds, if not thousands of, certainly thousands of Jews of all stripes and colors, all with one mission, one vision, that's the Duhaka. That's the experience that's being described over here. What if you're actually learning and actually understanding? What's the truest reward? Or how do you have the full package, uh, according to Rosh? It's sevara. It's being able to interpret it. It's being able to explain it, right? In other words, it's not the encyclopedic knowledge, just spitback, informational tidbits, or uh, bits of uh, cerebral uh, information. It's, it's, it's not about just knowing. Yediata Torah is very important. If you're getting it all together, you're able to apply it as well. That's what we call sevara being able to truly explain it and understand that. The true reward of a betamya, which refers to a bet avil. If you're in a mourner's home, um, and as a matter of fact, uh, some of the noshaot uh, seem to be the word bet avil, or maybe bet atzamot shel metim, if you look at the masorit tashas. Either way you have it, it's, it's referring to a mourner's home. The true reward, or the most complete reward doing this experience properly, is silence. There is a mahlokat about how to interpret this. Is this referring to the mourner or the people who visit the mourner? Well, let's start with the second one. The people who visit the mourner, the Gemara Masech Mo'id Katan and Dafkaf Het says that they're not supposed to greet the mourner, the person who's sitting Shiva prior to him or she uh, greeting them. They first say something, the mourner, and then the people assembled around it. The person with them can then talk. So the shtikuta is the appropriateness. And oftentimes that silence speaks greater than any words that could be uh, actually uttered. Alternatively, it's, re- it's with regards to the actual mourner. The actual mourner, as the Torah describes by Aharon, by Yidom Aharon, silence sometimes is the greatest praise with regards to your relationship with God mm-hmm. and acceptance of the faith, or even about the person whom you're mourning. You can sometimes teach people just from your body more than you can uh, from your words. The story I tell is when I once visited together with a friend, uh, Rabbi Gershon Yankalavich, Alav HaShalom. He was, he was mourning, he was over the age of 95 at least at the time passed away over the age of 100, if I'm not mistaken. He was one of the Rashi Yeshiva and Yeshiva University from the old country, and uh, he was mourning the death of his wife. And we entered into his home, which was in the Bronx, an old, 
apartment and uh, sat in a room filled with people and there was absolute and utter silence. That's with this pervasive silence. And for 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes, we sat in absolute silence and just looked at the rabbi. His shtika, his silence, in my opinion, filled me with his sadness, his agony, his sorrow for his wife's loss. It was almost as if no words could speak his feelings in that moment. The shtikuta then was not so much the people who were greeting him, who were uh, consoling him in, in the morning, but rather the mourner himself. Uh, the statement more than anything is, uh, it's, it's a lesson, it's a musar haskel for the proper way to mourn and the proper way to console a mourner. Oftentimes we delude ourselves into believing it's the right words, sometimes it's the right pauses. It's the opportunity to just sit back and allow for a either comfortable or uncomfortable, ironically, silence to carry the uh, to carry the circumstance and, and situation. Amar mor sutra agradta sitkata. The true reward, or, or or the complete reward of a taanit of a of a public uh, um, or, or even private um, fasting day is sitkata is doing righteous deeds to another. That's uh, a very ironic statement as well. We'd imagine it's the fasting. We'd imagine it's your relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I'm fasting in order to focus on God. Is, are, are we not? Well, the way I would understand and I suggest goes as follows. To fast means to say that the food which I eat, the pleasures which I derive in this world, are not truly mine. I stop for a moment and I, I move them away from me in order to think about where they come from. Oftentimes when something's missing from our life, we then and only then start to think about, to ponder, well, where did it come from? The opportunity to do so, if you've done it right on a fast day, means you start thinking about God. If you think about God and you think about your sustenance and your life of pleasure and, and, and ability to support yourself, will you understand that it's truly coming from Him? If it's really coming from Him, the, uh, the knee-jerk innate response is, well, uh, this pen I'm holding, this computer which is right next to me, this, this tissue box and the soap and the books and the wallet and anything and everything that's on the table as we're talking, it might be mine, but it's only mine because it was bestowed to me. It was this present from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's mine just as much as it's yours. I can and perhaps should be sharing it with you if you're in need of it. More specifically, says Rashi on the fast day, Everybody's very tired. The poor people who are hungry because they've been fasting together with you don't even have food to put in their mouth. You can't find the greatest way of capping that day, of actually living up to the inspiration, the purpose of that day, than by giving the person who in that moment is perhaps more needing of it than any other time. Amarav sheshat agrade hespeda. The reward of hesped, of eulogizing, is daluye. Rashi explains daluye is leharim kol belashon nehi ve'achmat nefesh sheivku ashomim. It's raising your voice to the extent that people who are listening will cry. You see, this is the difference between a modern day uh, or, or a modern eulogy and, and a historical eulogy. Modern uh, eulogy oftentimes is, is not, not cold, but it describes the person. It speaks about their life, speaks about your relationship. A historic uh, eulogy that the Gemara is describing is one which inspires people to cry. I remember the pasuk in Parashat Hayesara says, Vayavo Avraham lispod lesarav livkotah. Suk says, Avraham arrives, lispod, to eulogize Sarah, v'liv and to cry for her. And I had a full derasha from Nitziv in his book, Ha'amek Tava, with regards to interpreting that pasuk. And I once, to Rabbi Eliach, Alav HaShalom, explained, my, uh, explained that approach. And so he smiled at me and he said, the reason you speak like that is because you think like a modern American young man. So I said, what do you mean? He said, you think that a eulogy 
comes after crying? That was the question. The assumption was, why does the Pasuk says he, say he comes to eulogize and cry? It's not the way it works. You find out the person passes away. You cry, unfortunately, and then you eulogize. Why does the Pasuk say, I had a derashaim in order to interpret it? He said, no, you don't understand. The eulogy was to bring to the crying. And that's the words of the Gemara. The true reward for the eulogy is bringing others, bringing yourself to crying. It's the way that you do it. Uh, for many years in Yerushalayim, next to Yeshivat Mir, where I studied, I would hear hispedim of that sort. There would be people, rabbis and others, who would stand up and cry out loud and get the crowd to cry. To truly feel and emotionally attach with the death means to be crying. That's lispod lesara. It's first the hisped and only then velivkota. And then to cry, not the natural way, but it's rather the hisped brought you or brings you furthermore to crying. Amara Vashe, lastly, Agrad Behilule. What's the true reward of a person who's in a party, a party of a wedding? What's the true reward? So you'll say, of course, it's Simhat Hatan Bekala. How do you do true Simhat Hatan Bekala? How do you rise, rise to the level of absolute or complete Simhat Hatan Bekala? Says the Gemara, says Ravashe, one word, Mile, says Rashi, Lesameh Hatan Bidvarim, its words. One of the words the Gemara Masechet Ketubo talks about speaking to the Kala, Kala Na'av, Hasuda. You speak both to the Hatan and to the Kala about how beautiful, how wonderful she is. More than anything, people sometimes forget this one as well. Imagine that it's just about dancing in a crazy fashion. Oftentimes when you hug the Hatan, when you embrace the Kala, it's the words that you share, the words of, of, of warmth, the words of, uh, of encouragement. That's, uh, that's the greatest uh, um, way of being Mesameh Hatan Vekala. Says the Gemara, Amara Funa Kolamit Palel Akhorebet Nikra Rasha. Any person who prays behind the synagogue, Nikra Rasha. Tosafot Anamud Aleph and Rashi have a mahlok about the situation of the synagogue, how it's structured. If we're talking about Mizrah or Ma'arav, either way you slice it. Fundamentally for us, it means if you're outside of the wall of the synagogue and praying, and the Gemara will tell us in a moment, not in the direction of the synagogue, but away from it, you're Nikra Rasha. Why should it be so? We'll see in the Gemara in just a moment as well. It's because you seem to be saying they're praying to one and I'm praying to another. Not that I'm facing this. I'm facing away from where they are. I'm right outside the synagogue in another direction. I'm making clear I'm praying to another deity. There are two forces or they have the wrong force. Shene'emar saviv reshaim yitalachun. Pasuk says outside or surrounding it, that's where the wicked people are, yitalachun, that's where they're walking. It means outside or surrounding the synagogue, that's where the wicked people are. This is a mizmor we just read a few days ago on Shmini Aseret. Says Abaye, this is specifically, we said this only, de la mehader, hadar means to turn, he turned his ape, his face, lebe to face the synagogue. If you're not facing the synagogue and away from it, saviv reshaim italachun, that's nikra rasha, aval mehader ape, however, if you turn your face, lebe in the direction of the knees of the synagogue, let lanba, there's no problem with doing so. You're making clear that you're facing in the same direction, praying to the same God, in a certain respect, even trying to join forces with them. For one reason or another, you're outside of it. Tells the Gemara a, a, a story. There was a person who was praying, Salim, of course, means to pray, outside of the synagogue, but he didn't turn his face. In other words, he's facing away from the synagogue. Eliyahu Hanavi passes by. 
Now there are uh, Rashi and uh, and the Masoret uh, Hashas quotes from the uh, from from Sefarim uh, Acherim. If you look in Rif, they take out the words Eliyahu. You'll understand why in just a moment. It may have not been Eliyahu who's passing by, but as our Nosa, as our Girsa in the Gemara has it, Eliyahu passes by Hazye. He sees this individual praying Idmile Ketayaa. He appears to the person like an Arab person, like an Arab merchant. So here's the person praying in the opposite direction of the synagogue without facing it, outside of it, and Eliyahu, or just an Arab merchant, or Eliyahu looks like the Arab merchant, passes by and sees him, Amale, he says to the prayer, this is either the Arab merchant or the Eliyahu who appears like the Arab, the Arab merchant, Kedu bar kayemet kame morcha, du means two. Like tavle metav tan du. Du means two or uh, duo. You know, you talk like that. Bar, Rashi says, means reshut, which is a reference to domains, meaning uh, deities. Are there two de- deities, two forces, two uh, powers of, of divine, of, of, of godliness, kayemet, that exist, kamemurcha, in front of your master? And he looks at it and says, you're facing the other way. It appears as if your master has two ways. There's one in the synagogue. You're at the synagogue for some reason. So you accept they're praying to one and you're praying to another one. It's all part of the same thing. Shalaf safsarai, he takes out his sword, Vekatlen kills the person who's facing in the opposite direction, praying outside. Now that's a jarring and very difficult statement uh, or, or story to accept. So first and foremost, if it wasn't Eliyahu Hanavi, so it's a little bit easier. So the Arab merchant doesn't understand what's going on, thinks it's disgusting what this Jew person, Jew, um, Jewish man is doing, and he kills him. Alternatively, you might have to read it in somewhat of a metaphorical sense. And why is it that he kills him? Oftentimes the hachamim have an expression that a person who's over al-divrei hachamim is hayav mita. So this individual believes he can game the system. He doesn't need to think better, think think in line with the, uh, the hachamim in terms of their vision of the appropriate way to enter into the synagogue and pray together, or at the very least while facing. Uh, that's uh, to a certain extent meriting or taking upon himself a certain spiritual death. Uh, that's what the Gemara has. Uh, just a bit more in the Gemara. The Pasuk says that we just quoted a moment ago and just read on on Shemini uh, Aseret. So the, the Pasuk talks about, again, the Saviv Resha'im Yitalachun, but then it says, Kirum Zulut Libne Adam. Those words we want to be Doresh now as well. One of the rabbis turns to or maybe was asking What are those interesting, unique words? My kirum zulut adam. What do those words mean? Well, first and foremost, the word rum, ram venisa, refers to something above. So it says, kerum means it's berumoshel olam. These are the matters. These are the things that are in the top of the world, very high and lofty matters. But people are zulut, they're mezalzel by him. What's that? Well, that's a reference, says Rashi, kegon tefila, she'olel ma'ala, prayer 
is our opportunity daily, more than once daily, to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You're squandering that opportunity. You're just uh, pushing it aside. You're standing in the derashav, the hachamim, outside of the synagogue because it's insignificant to move in and to face in the proper direction. These are matters, kerum, zulut, libnei adam, matters which are truly lofty and in reality high-level matters but people see them as zol, they cheapen it, and they look at it as if it's insignificant. The Gemara will, in its next few lines, have a different derasha, but for our purposes today, we can we can conclude with that. Uh, what we learn in the Gemara today, first and foremost, we talked about the importance and significance of setting up a permanent place for prayer. As we said, Shulchan Aruch is posik, both in the synagogue and outside, um, certainly. We talked about the model for that being Abraham Avinu, how that is a certain way of engendering within yourself an anava, and in turn Hasidut. We talked about the running not from synagogue, but to synagogue. We talked about the classes, which were ran to on Shabbat, being very appropriate. When you're getting to something true, when you're achieving Torah, when you're getting close to that Kadosh Baruch Hu, Le'olam Yarus Adam Lidvar Halacha. We talked about the true Sachar from any of these different uh, circumstances, situations. Uh, the classes, the Talmud Torah, the Bet Avil, um, the Behilule, uh, the weddings, and so forth. And lastly, we talked about the person who prays outside of the synagogue and doesn't face the synagogue, it seems wrong. People see that individual and misunderstand it, or he himself seems to have the wrong vision, the strange story with regards to Eliyahu, or maybe just the Taya'a, the Arab person who kills that individual who's praying outside. And then lastly, finishing that pasuk of Saviv Reshaim Yetalachun, the Kirum Zulut Libne Adam, how oftentimes, and specifically over here with regards to prayer, matters which are most significant, we as human beings have this tendency to look at them as the least significant. We cheapen the most significant but readily available um, opportunities to connect to matters of utmost importance, being able to talk to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in a significant, consistent fashion on a in a daily man manner is something that we unfortunately squander the opportunity to do in the proper way. Kerum zulut libnei adam devarim shomdim berumo shel olam ba bnei adam mizalzilim ba hem baruch Adonai le'olam amen ba amen.